Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode number 265 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero for ringmagazine.com, or sorry, Ring Magazine and the Ring Digital YouTube channel and ringtv.com. This is TNC265 for the week of May 8th. And um, boy, we're going to get into some sad news today, guys. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to do all of this justice, what's going on with the Felix Verdejo situation, but um, I will do my best to uh, give you the latest and greatest information that I have. And then after all that, of course, we will talk boxing and we will try to stick to boxing. But this case obviously uh, crosses over into the world of boxing. So I definitely want to get into that in terms of news and notes. Uh, No guests on the show this week because I wanted to uh, give this the proper time and I figured a few of you guys would want to call in and talk about it. So I'm going to um, I'm going to jump right into that uh, real quick. Just looking at some comments. Um, yeah, Andres on the chat says murder. What the f? Dalek says dang, never expected to hear such horrifying news. Timmy Turner says deep down we know he did it. Well, let me just preface. Uh, we don't know. Look, we. Uh, all we have right now are allegations. Okay. And I think everyone needs to slow down a little bit and I'm not trying to defend anybody or any actions or anything, but I just want to preface by saying that right now, nobody has been convicted. This is an open and ongoing investigation. So I think some of you guys need to pull the, you know, pump the brakes a little bit and pull back a little bit and try to let's let things play out. Uh, Unrivaled in the chat says, uh, God bless Mike. This situation is a dark one. Uh, good good that you're on the chat, Mark, because I know you're going to have some great insight into this. You're a good dude, and I know you're going to have some strong insight into this. Um, so please call in. Uh, all right, guys. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, not that I'm looking forward to talking about this, you know, because um, I'm not. But um, I guess I can start with the FBI affidavit from Officer Lorenzo, Lorenzo Perez. Let me share my screen here because I want to, I'm not going to read this affidavit word for word. Okay. But I I do want to um, just hint on a few things. Okay. So by now, most of you have seen this affidavit uh, from Lorenzo Perez, who is an FBI special agent who is stationed in San Juan and focuses on violent crimes, major offender squad, right? You see that right there in the intro. Uh, He introduces himself. He introduces Felix Verdejo Sanchez and then um, sets up um, the the timeline of events, okay? And again, I won't go over everything, but I do want to hit on a couple of things and make note of a couple of things that uh, stand out to me. Before I go into this in further detail, though, I do want to once again preface by saying that um, right now, Felix Berdejo is in custody, no bail, Okay. Um, there are a lot of rumors flying and swirling all over about this case, case, most of which have not been substantiated. And I do not want to engage in rumors. I don't want to engage in clickbait. I don't want to uh, sensationalize anything. I want to stick to exactly what we do know. I have been talking to a few people in Puerto Rican media today and trying to get updates. Uh, the most I could get was the latest rumors, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard as well. If anything changes while we're going live here, 
we might might even have folks call into the show to give some updates, okay? So uh, there are a few people standing by. If there are updates, if there's any breaking news, they'll call in, all right? So I want to let you guys know that. But um, out of respect for the, the family of this woman who has lost her life, I, I can't imagine what this family is going through, but also out of the respect to the Verdejo family because uh, forget about Felix. I'm talking about his entire family. It's a tragedy for them as well. And, and all the people of Puerto Rico and really everyone in the boxing community, this is not, this is more than a boxing story. This is a human story. Okay. So let's be respectful in the comments section and let's remember that this is an open ongoing case. There's going to be breaking news. It's going to be more information to come and let's not jump the gun. All right. So um, let's see what this FBI affidavit says. And I should also one, one last thing. I was in the Marine Corps, okay? I've seen a million documents like this. I understand the wording of it. Uh, I understand um, the, way, the way they're typed up. And uh, there, there's a certain purpose to why they do these and how they do it. Uh, it doesn't correlate exactly. This is an FBI affidavit. But me being in the military, I've seen a lot of documentation like this. I've read it a million times. I've signed a bunch of these things. I've uh, participated in formulating and, and typing up some of these things, okay? So I just want to put that out there. Um, let's see. Oh, my phone line dropped. I'm going to have to get the phones back up. But uh, in the meantime, um, and that's why I, I preface because there's a few things in this that I noticed, okay, that, that stood out to me. So this talks about a witness that came forward. Does not name the witness, obviously, but talks about a witness that alleges they were with Felix Verdejo um, last week. This this all pretty much transpired last week into this weekend. And um, there's some things that are left out. So A, okay, I'm looking at section A here. On or about uh, April 27th, Felix Verdejo contacted the witness and requested his help to terminate the pregnancy of the victim. So the victim claimed that she was pregnant by Felix Berdejo. And apparently she had told family and friends this, had not talked about it publicly, but of course had told Felix Berdejo, but also her family and friends, they were aware of this. But notice in A, section A, it says requested his help. So we know that this is a male. There are rumors out there that this witness is the wife. Well, if it is the wife, then there is an error right here in this document. But it, it clearly states right here, requested his help. Says that Felix Verdejo contacted this witness, requested his help. So to me, that rules out that the wife is this witness. So there's one rumor you guys can check off the list. Uh, so who had told Verdejo that she was pregnant with his child based on a pregnancy test. Now, also what I get from Section A here, it does not say that this person alleges that Felix Verdejo contacted him to uh, for a murder for hire scheme or something like that. It doesn't specify murder or assault or anything like that. It specifies requested his help to terminate the pregnancy. So that leaves a lot of questions out there, but I can tell you guys again, with my military background, I've seen documentation like this and they pretty much write it. So a 10 year old could read it and they go uh, deep, very, very detailed. They, uh, what in the Marine Corps, we called it Marine proofing it, meaning it was written so dumb that there's nothing left to interpretation, okay? The fact that it doesn't specify that this person was contacted by Felix Verdejo, again, they're alleging this, uh, to murder this woman, or this wasn't a murder for hire scheme. This was, they were contacted to help terminate a pregnancy. 
very specific with that, but also leaves out those details. That stood out to me. Uh, on a- B says, on April 29th, Verdejo contacted the victim and arranged to meet her near her residence. Verdejo and the witness drove to meet Verdejo in a black Do- in, in Verdejo's black Dodge Durango SUV. Uh, the victim arrived at the meeting place in her vehicle, a gray Kia Forte. She entered Verdejo's vehicle. Okay, so she must have drove up to her house, gets out of her vehicle into his vehicle. What we don't know is, uh, was was she forced to? Uh, was she coerced into doing it? How did that take place? We don't have those details. Okay, it, said, it goes on to say, following on conversation between Verdejo in the victim, or Verdejo and the victim in Verdejo's car, Verdejo supposedly punched her in the face. And then, and then it says she was injected with a syringe filled with substances purchased from a drug point. So it doesn't specify what the substances are. We don't know. Was this substance supposed to render her unconscious, subdue her, kill her? Or is it something that was supposed to terminate the pregnancy? We don't know. Okay. Uh, and again, why, why am I bringing up all these details? Why am I specifying all this? Because it matters when you go to try a case. When you go to, um, and I'm not an expert in legal matters, but I'm pretty well versed on this stuff. I have family in law enforcement, friends in law enforcement. Uh, When you talk about first degree, second degree, third degree murder, details like this play a huge role, okay? So all of these things are going to play a role, and we should get those details uh, in the coming weeks and months. But um, again, it doesn't specify, number one, who injected her with the substance. It doesn't specify what the substance was supposed to do or what the substance was. It also says Verdejo and the witness, it does specify both of them restrained the victim's arms and feet with wire. I think they mean arms and legs because you can't restrain feet. So I'm thinking she was bound uh, with at her wrists and her ankles. And then a block was tied to the victim. Doesn't say who did that. The witness then alleges that they took the victim's keys and got in her car, and then they drove, uh, they left the site. So Verdejo drove off, the witness followed in the victim's car. Again, I go back to section D, though, where there are some details there, but there's also some details left out. Apparently, both restrained the woman, but we don't know who injected her with the substance. We don't know what the substance was supposed to do. All of these things do play a role, guys, in how this will be adjudicated and how it will be investigated going forward. Um, Verdejo and the witness drove the two vehicles toward uh, toward this bridge, which spans this lagoon. And Verdejo and the witness then drove onto the bridge where the victim was removed from the car and tossed off the side of the bridge into the water. It does not specify who threw her into the water, right? Uh, we don't know. We don't know. Um, was she unconscious at this point? Was she already deceased? We don't know. Verdejo, according to this witness, then shot at the victim with a pistol from the bridge. It says shot at. It doesn't say shot the victim. But you would think shooting at somebody, that is attempted murder. So right there, you got attempted murder on this, if this is the true uh, the true events that took place. And it says the victim's car was later abandoned. It doesn't say who did that, but we can assume, and that just is total conjecture, assuming by me that the witness did that since they had the keys to the car. Okay, so that was all on April 27th, which was, uh, what day was that? Shit, I don't know, guys. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, it was last week. 
Three days later, April 30th, 2021, uh, Puerto Rican officers found the victim's vehicle. And then um, the victim's family members revealed that the victim used cellular phone number to give the, give the number. On October 30th, the FBI attained call detail records. And they were apparently able to use uh, police cell phone data to corroborate the story in, in regards to uh, the locations, where, not only where she was at, but this witness and Verdejo. Remember, guys, if you have a cell phone, they, they know where the hell you're at. Unless you leave that phone at home, when you take that cell phone with you and you leave your house, the government, anyone can find out where you've been, where, what you've been up to, essentially. Okay, And they were able to use the data to, to, to validate the area, the locations of all of these parties. There are also uh, phone records as far as calls between the parties and text messages between the parties. So it all the phone data corroborated the series of events that were provided by this witness. And that was enough for this officer, Mr. Perez, to uh, state in this affidavit that he feels very, very strongly that Felix Verdejo is the lead suspect and um, they were able to uh, charge him from this. Uh, they also used some surveillance footage and found a shell casing from the gun near that bridge that they took the woman to. Uh, and again, as I mentioned before, the victim had told her family that she was pregnant. So this was all probable cause to arrest Felix Verdejo. Um, let's see. Anything else on here? No, here's just where he signed everything. So I'll stop sharing my screen here. <clears throat> so uh, Verdejo has turned himself in. He is charged with kidnapping resulting in death, carjacking resulting in death, and killing of an unborn child. Those are the charges. I know that um, he is not eligible for bail. Bail has been stricken. So, uh, and that's that's a case of note because uh, Jacob Rodriguez, who I talked to uh, earlier, who uh, writes for New York Fights, he mentioned to me that in several several similar incidents recently in Puerto Rico, uh, bail was granted to the accused. And in this case, bail was not granted. So that's that's kind of big news. That means that uh, the authorities involved feel that they have a, a pretty strong case here. They don't, don't want to set bail uh, for Felix Verdejo. All right. So um, we got a couple calls here on the line. I imagine a couple of you want to talk about this. In fact, I think uh, Jacob is on the line. So I want to jump over here to the to the phone lines and see if Jacob Rodriguez with New York Fights has any updates on the case. He's been following it since last week uh, pretty closely. So let me jump here to the phones, guys. <clears throat> Hang on one second. Jacob, can you hear me? Oh, uh, you know what, Jacob? Hang on one second, man. I've got to, I think I got to call in because my phone dropped. I should note, guys, uh, we're having major thunderstorms here in Atlanta. Like major, major thunderstorms. Thank you for calling Cohen and, uh, Studios host. We, um, the phones have been Enter dropping. The power has been dropping. So apologize if you guys could hear Welcome, me calling host. in here. You are now in the host <clears throat> room and can manage your callers from the Colin Studio right, web let's interface. Let's see if I can get Jacob on the line. Yeah. Jacob, can you hear me, sir? Uh, yes, sir. I can hear you. How are you? Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm going to get up work and I'm uh, listening to your, your show here. Yeah, sorry, sorry, my phones were down, man. We were having crazy thunderstorms today. I'm in Atlanta, and we're having just crazy storms, so my phone actually dropped. But uh, got you on the line now. Wanted to see, man, uh, do you have 
I, I, I know you've been listening. Um, based on everything that I read, you know, I read the affidavit and everything and gave some thoughts. Do you have um, any other, you know, breaking information to add to this? No, no breaking information. Uh, the only thing that was released by Primera Hora is that the forensics uh, is going to have a cause of death determined in the next 48 hours. So in the next 48 hours, we're gonna, uh, they're going to tell us exactly uh, how uh, Kaysler died. But uh, other than that, there have been no other witnesses walked forward. Nobody else has been charged. Uh, nothing major uh, in the case of the two pieces of critical information that were released today is number one, they denied bail to uh, Nick Verdejo. Uh, and number two, just about 30 minutes ago, Primera Hora released that in the 48 hours they'll have a, uh, a definitive cause of death. So they'll be able to determine if it was the substance she was injected with or when she was thrown off the bridge or something like that. Any of those things? Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully they'll be able to determine exactly what killed, uh, you know, Kaysla, uh and how she died. And can we can we get rid of the rumor that um, that the wife is involved or is she still a person of interest? Because I know that uh, Felix Verdejo's wife was questioned by police. Uh, I mean, I think by now they probably would have uh, eradicated charges on her. So yeah. I, don't, I, I can't say definitively if we should eliminate her, but I, I would think that by now uh, she probably would have been uh, identified as a suspect. Uh, but still, this case is still is uh, in infancy. I mean, we didn't get word. I mean, I, I got word of it early Friday morning, about eight fifteen, is when I got word through social through Puerto Rican social media. Uh, immediately, I, I moved uh, some of my friends uh, to get me as much information as they could from the island, and they did. And that's where I wrote up my first story and turned it in. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, we, we can't tell right now if it's safe to eliminate her yet. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, looking at that affidavit, it, it uses the word his to describe the witness. So to me, that rules out that she's the witness. But I've seen tweets. I've seen YouTube videos. I've even seen posts on certain websites trying to insinuate that she was involved, that she might be the witness, that this plot was her idea. Like, I, it, it, If there was any evidence to suggest that, I would just think that she'd have to be in custody by now, right? Yeah, a key a key note here is uh, is the mom, Kayla's mom, Kayla Ortiz. When she went when she went on social media and, and was on the different uh, news outlets, uh, Primera Hora, Bocero, and uh, uh, La Comay, these are all news outlets that were recording and interviewed her. She what was critical here. We listened to the interviews. She was definitive from day one, without a shadow of a doubt, that she was fingering Verdejo. Uh, she, when they asked if uh, Verdejo's wife had anything to do with this, was so uh, interesting in this is that she compared uh, Verdejo's wife's character and personality to that of her daughter, a hardworking person, a person of good moral standing, and it was Verdejo who was playing them both, is what she said on social media. So, uh, well, not to social media, to the uh, various news outlets that would interview her. Okay. So, and from day one, there was no shadow of a doubt in, in the mother's mind that it was Verdejo. If she would have had any inkling that it was the daughter, uh, Verdejo's wife, I'm pretty sure she would have been out of the mother. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um, it, it just seems that by now we'd know more if she was involved. So I, I think all those tweets and everything involving her in the case, I think that it's it's incredibly irresponsible. I wanted to ask you, I, I believe I know the answer, but Puerto Rico does have the death penalty, correct? And, and Berdejo would be, um, he would warrant the death penalty if these charges are found, if he's found guilty, correct? That's a very good question. Uh, no, Puerto Rico does not have the death okay. penalty. They uh, did away with the death penalty for a while back. But because this is now a federal case, the death penalty is on the table. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that, that's how, uh, because this case has been moved up to the federal level, that's how he's facing the death penalty. That's why it has been attached to the, to the different news outlets. Thank you for making that distinction. Thank you, because um, I, I saw conflicting information going back and forth, and I honestly didn't know. I thought because Puerto Rico is an American territory that uh, I, I just I knew that this was a federal case uh, because the FBI is involved in everything. But it didn't dawn on me that that's how this could be uh, eligible for the death penalty. So this that's confirmed that the death penalty would be on the line here. Yes. Okay. Uh, for what I've read, yes, uh, the death penalty is on the line. Okay. And so in the next 48 hours, we are going to get uh, autopsy cause of death results. Um, what, what about with Verdejo? Is there uh, an, an arraignment scheduled or a hearing, anything like that, uh, this week? No, so it's not this week. So this, this is what's so unique about this so far. When they went to the hearing for the bail, uh, bail was denied, and they they were not able to give a plea at the moment. Uh, so as uh, a plea was denied, and they've given both uh, teams, the prosecutor team and uh, the defense team, 30 days to get the case together. So 30 days, and then what? So is it going to take 30 days to get a, a plea and to get everything scheduled for a trial? Correct. Okay. So it, it's probably going to be months before we have an actual trial here, correct? Oh, it's good. Uh, well, well, let me paint a perspective here. So this is uh, stemming uh, on the island. There's been numerous uh, cases where women have been murdered. Right. And the predecessing to the lead up has been domestic violence. In one such case, uh, this did not have to do with domestic violence, but the Western case, a girl was murdered uh, in the Jensen Medina case. She was murdered uh, in cold blood in 2019, and that case is still going on right now. So it could be months. Uh, or it, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll move faster because of the Verdejo's uh, public figure status. So I'm pretty sure this will move faster. And the fact that there's been an outcry uh, for justice because of so many cases like this have been happening on the island. So I'm pretty sure they'll move faster, but it could be a few months before this even goes strong. Was there, to your knowledge, was there any case of, of domestic violence related to Felix Verdejo and his wife or any no, past so girlfriend? I'm glad, you, no, I'm glad you asked that question because I've been following Verdejo uh, as, a, as a boxing fan for a while now, uh, from his early beginnings. And after his Nakatani loss, uh, you know, he went silent for a while, and he came on on an interview in a Puerto Rican uh, YouTube channel called One on One Uno Uno with uh, the playmaker Hector Torres. And uh, in there, he's talking about uh, you know 
his his discipline and how his three year old daughter has changed his life and his whole perspective uh, has changed since he's been married. And aside from the motorcycle incident that he had in uh, 2017, which just there was no criminal charges there. He just uh, you know it made news because a big profile boxer got hurt riding a motorcycle. He's kept it pretty low profile from what we know and no involvement for the law. This is the first such case uh, regarding Verdejo. And uh, th- there's rumors that his wife has filed for divorce. Is that true or, f- or false? So the rumors were that they have been separated for some time now. Okay. And uh, I, I won't, I'll be co- well, sorry, that's my grandson in the background. <laughs> I can only assume, I can only uh, assume that uh, the separation was directly tied to his relationship with Casey. Okay. But but nothing's been confirmed about her filing for divorce or that they're divorced or anything like that? No, no, nothing has been confirmed. Just okay. Because I've seen a bunch of tweets about that. And we have a question from Mandeli here on the chat. He was asking, uh, is it possible that the trial could take place in the United States because of the overwhelming media presence there in Puerto Rico and because it's a federal case? Is it possible it could come up to the USA somewhere, the mainland, or will it, in fact, happen down there? I- I'm not sure. Uh, that's a very good question. We'll see how how it develops. Be how it's a federal case, I, we, you know, we certainly can't rule it out. It'd it be a move, especially if, if there's an overwhelming caseload in Puerto Rico. That could be highly likely in, in order to expedite this. They could move it. They could possibly move it. But yeah. we don't know for sure. It would fall under the jurisdiction. I mean, they could put it in the mainland uh, United States. And if the FBI is involved, I mean, that that's very, very possible because, as you said, the backlog. I, th- there are a lot of these cases in Puerto Rico. Is that something that has been increasing in recent years or has that been the case for the, for a while? No, I mean, uh, it, we just started to hear about some of these cases mostly recently. So I can't put a, a quantitative mark on the the domestic violence to death ratio, you know, over the last years. But I know that, for uh, as a matter of fact, that's why the pink alert, uh, this, this, you keep hearing about this pink alert that was adapted to Puerto Rico. Uh, the reason why the pink alert was adapted to Puerto Rico, this this is different uh, from any other alert because this is for females that are 18 and over. So there has been, a, you know, some numerous uh, cases where uh, girls have gone missing, uh, some that, you know, it, it eventually... Uh, unfortunately, were led to their deaths, and there was really no major uh, or no, uh, how should I say, response system on that. Somebody was missing. So uh, when you hear about this pink alert system, that alert system was put in place as a response to those uh, number of missing females uh, that were that were happening on the island. Okay. It, it just could you give some insight into just how big of a figure is Felix Verdejo down there? Is this a major, major story, or is it just a, a big story that you think is going to move along in a week, or is this a huge deal down there? No, no, this is a huge deal. Verdejo okay. is a uh, very recognized, you know, figure of Puerto Rico as an athlete. Of course, he represented us in the 2012 Olympics. Right. Aside from you know, you know his boxing background, and you know us as uh, Puerto Rican fans, we are, uh, you know, we 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 romanticize our fighters, you know, and uh, so you know he is a big public figure in Puerto Rico. He's very well followed, and because of his name, and of course the outcry for justice, 
uh, everybody in Puerto Rico is, is tuned in on this. So this this is a huge story. This is up there with like Aster Pistorius in uh, like in South Africa a few years back, um, where everyone's talking about this, huh? Yes. Okay. Yes. This is the this is the story happening in Puerto Rico right now. Okay. Well, Jacob, I appreciate you calling in, man. Let, let's keep in touch. And as updates, uh, you know, come, we'll, we'll keep in touch. We'll chat and maybe we'll get you back on the show next week. Uh, if there's anything else to talk about, I absolutely appreciate you being on, man. Oh, no, thank you for taking my call. And uh, I'll keep you uh, posted on any of the updates uh, that, I, uh, that, that, that come along and uh, maybe that pops up. I uh, would love to be on your show next week. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good one. Thank you. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, that was some great, some great insight from Jacob Rodriguez there. Again, Jacob Rodriguez, New York Fights. He reached out to me today. Uh, and again, I've talked to several folks in the media uh, related to the Puerto Rican media, but he reached out to me and it's like, man, if you can call in, please call in. So I'm glad Jacob did. And guys, we'll absolutely uh, continue to talk. And if um, if there's more information, We'll have him back on. We'll have him back on uh, every show if there's information to share. All right. We'll get it directly from the source there. Uh, okay. There's one other call. Let's jump to this other call real quick, guys. And then we'll get to boxing review preview. Okay. Um, so I, I don't want to depress the hell out of everybody on the show, but uh, this is a huge story and we need to talk about it and we need to talk about it responsibly. So that's why I wanted to have Jacob on. All right. Let's uh, jump to the phones again real quick. 317. You were on the show. 317, go. Shit, dude. Dude, dude, dude. So I, I've been in, like, call for 15 minutes. I'm on my break at lunch. I have one minute left. So I'm going to I'm gonna take an extra minute to explain, like, my thoughts on everything. Uh, number one, fuck, uh, fuck Felix Cordejo. He's a faggot. He deserves to die. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I got to say it. You, you might not be able to say that on your show, but. Uh, I didn't say it. Yeah, Jack Alter that. said it, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Another thing is, uh, man, that, that stuff is too, like, uh, I only have a minute, and I want to talk about kind of the fights that happened this weekend and what's coming up. But, dude, the Felix Verdejo thing is so messed up. Like, actually, like, a really fucking horrible person. Like, that's just disgusting. Like, it's well, not even, alleged. Like, Let's add the word alleged, Jack. We alleged. I have no clue what the fuck they're talking about. Like, you. Did, it, did she do something? Because am I, am I missing something? Who? It seems to me like Felix Verdejo is a piece of shit. Did who do something? You there, Mike? Yeah, can you hear me? Jack, can you not hear me? There you go. Can you not hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. My bad. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I, I was saying we should add the word alleged because nobody has been convicted of anything. But you asked, uh, did she do something? Who were you talking about? Did who do something? the girl he murdered i heard people saying she deserved it i'm like what the fuck nobody deserves that i mean people look i'm not surprised there are people out there who still defend edwin valero i mean it's there's absolutely no defense of something like this and again no one's been convicted it's just alleged right now but uh and i have to keep prefacing that but there's just zero justification for this it's disgusting it is the height of uh, domestic violence is the pinnacle. So anyone who says that she deserved it is a moron. And anyone who thinks that way, if you, and you're on this show, get off this show. Okay. Anyway, J- sorry, Jack, uh, go ahead. 
Very good. I guess I can take an extra three minutes, probably get fired. No, I'm just kidding. It's only a break. It won't be that pissed. But uh, uh, Dimitri Bivol, man, I don't give a shit what people say. And, dude, you know you know, me and you are very good at predictions. But I don't care. Any day of the week, I'm taking Dimitri Bivol against uh, Batrabiev. Look, he likes to coast. He does. But I don't really think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, he just likes to win, and he doesn't – he's not – like worried about knocking someone out. I think that's kind of good. I'm going to talk about Bevo later in the show, but I, I, I think that, yeah, he's, he's kind of got a little bit of a Vladimir Klitschko mentality in the sense that he's not going to take an unnecessary risk and he'll fight down to the level of his opposition and get a W a W's a W. Um, I, I definitely think he has more levels than people realize, but man, if you look back, I think it was 2018, 2019, when he beat the like, Joe Smith, Jean Pascal, I uh, beat three or four uh, Sullivan Barrera. There's three or four guys there that he beat. I think Isaac Chalemba. He's legit. He's legit. And I'm with you. Um, I, I think that him versus Baturbiev or the winner of Baturbiev Smith is an outstanding fight. And Bevel, I, I don't want to call that fight yet, but he could absolutely beat both of those. Well, he already beat Smith, but I think he could definitely beat Baturbiev. Absolutely. Him out. He would have he knocked Joe Smith out if there was like 10. 10- Literally, in the last 10 seconds of the Bibble fight, the ref said, show me something, Joe. Show me something, Joe. And, and like, literally, the belt said, if, if there were 10 more seconds, Dimitri Bivol would have knocked out Joe Smith Jr. Well, he dominated the fight regardless. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, there is little yeah. doubt. It's not like it was a close fight or anything. He absolutely dominated Joe Smith. And look what Joe Smith has done since that. So that shows Dimitri Bivol's level. But the dude's got to fight. You, you know, he's got to get in the ring and he's got to fight. Uh, he just had a fight, obviously, yeah, but he's got to, you know, I mean, better opponents than that. I thought Craig Richard, he impressed me. Like, not even gonna lie, Mike, he impressed me. I was like, damn, this dude, he showed a, he showed a good chin. He showed like good, like heart, and he didn't, and he, he came there to win. I mean, the scorecards were fucking disgusting, though. Bibble won at least, at, at least nine rounds. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty one-sided fight. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even, yeah, it wasn't even close. But two judge had a uh, one judge had a like a one point difference. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think a lot of judges grade on the curve. I mean, we've talked about this before. It wasn't the only fight this weekend that people did that. But um, if if they see if if they think it's going to be this complete domination and it's competitive, they're like, oh, this guy's doing better than I thought he'd do. Let me give him this round. Well, that's not how you score fights. So, um, you know, I, I think that too too many judges do that, but. Yeah, it just is what it is. The right man won. Yeah. All right, man. I got to head out, but it was nice being on the show. And I'll talk to you later, man. All right, Jack. All right, there he goes. Take it easy. Peace. And um, apologies for some of Jack's verbiage. But, um, and again, with Felix Verdejo, nobody's been convicted of a crime, but it don't look good. And obviously, if he is, if what this witness is saying is true, Throw the book at this guy, and look, I, I am a believer in the death penalty at times, um, and this might, this case probably warrants it. Then again, um, you know, um, put him in jail for life and let him rot somewhere in, in a cell for the rest of his life. Maybe that's worse. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people say that. Um, uh, Zach D on the chat uh, saying, um, kind of lost me when he said he heard she deserved it. Uh, well, for the record, I don't think, I don't think Jack said that he said he had heard people say that 
and he disagreed with them and thought that was disgusting. And I agree with Jack. And I've seen people say the same thing. I've seen people, uh, you know, defending this uh, on Twitter and social media. I've seen people uh, saying that it was this secret plot by the wife and the wife's family and all kinds of crazy shit. You guys have to ignore that noise, okay? You have to ignore that noise. That's what happens in these cases. Um, that's unfortunate, uh, but that's just what happens. But look, man, you guys know that there's trolls out there, all right? So stick to people that don't get into all that. And you know, I don't try to get into the sensationalism. I talk about the facts. So just ignore that noise and we'll stick to the facts of the case. So uh, once again, for those of you who are just getting on, I see a bunch of people have just jumped jumped on the show. Uh, I recently had Jacob Rodriguez of New York Fights on the show. He's been following this case since early last Friday. I just want to hit on a couple of quick things that some of you guys just joining may not have heard. Uh, so the latest breaking information is that Felix Bradejo was denied bail. So he will not get out on bail. And in several recent incidents, cases similar to this, the accused was granted bail. So him not being granted bail and being such a, a large figure, a public figure there in Puerto Rico, that's news. That's pretty big news. Also, within the next 48 hours, the coroner says we will know the cause of death. They will determine that and we will know within the next two days. So by sometime Wednesday, we will know uh, what killed Kisla. Was it what she was injected with, the substance, which we still don't know what that was or who did it? Was it when she was thrown out of the car off this bridge? Was it when she was shot at? Again, the affidavit said she was shot at. We don't know if she was shot. We don't know if the shot connected. So there's a lot that we don't know. But we are going to get more answers in the next 48 hours. Um, there has been no plea yet. They have 30 days, both the defense and the state uh, have 30 days to make their case. And at that point, I believe there will be a plea. Also, there have been rumors that the wife, that Felix Renejo's wife, was the uh, the witness in this sworn affidavit <clears throat> that was uh, processed by Officer FBI Special Agent Lorenzo Perez. Uh, as far as I could tell, they specified the gender of the witness in that affidavit as a male. So that rules out the wife being the the witness. I've seen that rumor. Also, uh, the, they have been separated, apparently, for a few months, Felix Verdejo and his wife, but they are not divorced. I have seen posts that she was uh, that she divorced him. That is not final. I haven't been able to confirm that. Also, I asked uh, Jacob. Uh, Rodriguez, who was just on, is there any history of domestic violence with Felix Rodejo, his wife, or any past girlfriend? He said no. The only uh, legal case or anything against him at any point was the 2007 motorcycle accident, okay? So this kind of comes out of absolute nowhere, and I think that's why it's so shocking for so many people. This is a huge case in Puerto Rico. Also, another thing I should note, Puerto Rico does not have the death penalty. I want to put that out there. Because I've seen uh, a lot of posts that said it did, and I ignorantly believe that without looking into it. Puerto Rico does not have the death penalty. However, since this is a federal case, remember, Puerto Rico is an American territory. The FBI is involved. The death penalty is on the table, and there is a possibility. I don't know how probable this is, but it's a possibility that the case, when it comes to the, the trial and everything like that, could be moved to the mainland United States because it is a federal case. All right. So that is the latest and greatest information that we have on this. All right. Chris Bergen on the chat. Super chat. Thank you so much. He says, let's talk some boxing now, please. 
Excellent segue, my friend. Let's talk some freaking boxing because we could talk about this case forever and it's too damn depressing and we just don't know enough information. Okay, let's get into the fight review. Real quick, guys. Uh, Last Friday, April 30th, last day of April, ESPN Plus here in the United States, BT Sport over in the UK, Queensberry Promotions, your call, Bethnal Green in London, Sonny Edwards with, uh, some people are calling this an upset special. I don't particularly think it was an upset. I thought that he had a great chance. If you watch last week's show during the uh, preview, I talked about that. Scores the win over Maruti Mathialane a veteran out of South Africa, wins his IBF flyweight title. So now Sonny Edwards is 16-0, boxed beautifully in this fight. This was a, a big, big win for, for UK boxing, who is, you know, it's been a rough year or so for UK boxing, right? After Tyson Fury handled Deontay Wilder, after that, there's been some tough losses. Well, this was a big win for UK boxing. And, and Sonny Edwards boxed beautifully in the debate this weekend with the ring ratings committee is where do we rate him at flyweight? I personally think we should put him at number two. And I think that's what most of the people on the panel agreed with. Uh, some people said three, some people said four, but nobody, a couple said maybe we should put him at number one because Mathilene was our number one guy. However, I just think that uh, I think it's Martinez there at that weight has proven a little bit more beat better up, op- not better opposition, but uh, with with Edwards, it's one big win, right? Martinez has a few big, not as big of wins, but few solid wins. So probably keep him at one, put Edwards at two. That's how I see it, and I think that's where the panel will decide. Um, that's where the panel will come down in a couple we, uh, a couple days. Michael Conlin improves to fifteen and zero. His first fight at junior featherweight, officially at one twenty two. I think he started his career there, but he's pretty much been a, a featherweight his whole career. And he made a conscious decision to move down. Looked a lot better at 122. Scores a majority decision win over Ionet Baluta. I thought he won this fight. There, there was a lot of controversy on Twitter and people saying this was a robbery and this was a close fight. It was competitive. It was close. But you guys are going to think I'm nuts. I, I thought that 117, 115, even 116, 112 for Conlon was fair. I, I really, really do. I thought he narrowly won this fight. And I thought this was a case where, again, a lot of people didn't expect much from Baluda. So they, they, I guess, graded on a curve. And they gave him close rounds that were real competitive because he did better than they thought he'd do. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're winning the round. Uh, real quick, Super Chat Pledge from Feeling Dangerous. Thank you so much for the Super Chat. He asks, uh, how do you call in? Right behind me on the wall, you will see phone numbers. Right there is the toll-free United States number, 213-267-7787. If you're in the UK, toll-free, 02081-036051. All right? That's all you got to do is call in, and I'll get you on, okay? Um, All right, so that was Friday. Let me get uh, Saturday reviews done, and then we'll go back to the phones. But uh, Saturday, May 1st, let's start over in Manchester. Matchroom on the zone. In the main event, Joseph Parker scores a split decision win over Derek Chisora. Scores were 116-111, 115-113. And Howard Foster, one of the judges, had it 115-113 for Chisora, who dropped Parker in the first round and clearly won the first half of the fight. I thought that was very, very clear. However, second half of the fight, Parker won. And this really gets down to 
how'd you score the swing rounds? There's a few like right in the middle, right when the momentum was starting to change, maybe the fifth, sixth round, right around there. There's a couple rounds there that did you favor Chisora's aggression? Did you favor uh, Parker's counterpunching? For my money, this was a close fight. I think that you could score it six rounds apiece, and with the knockdown given to Chisora, you could also score it seven rounds to five for Parker. You could even go as far, although I wouldn't, as eight rounds to four for Parker. But I, I scored it seven rounds to five for Parker. I had him narrowly winning this fight by a point. Eight mad at you if you thought Chisora won, though. But I thought all th- well, two of these scores were fine. But the one score, one judge had it 116-111 for Parker. Remember, he was knocked down, so he got a point deducted. So that's essentially nine rounds to three for Parker. That is not the fight that took place. I did not agree with that scorecard. Was cool with the other two. Uh, Dimitri Bevel on the undercard wins a unanimous decision over Craig Richards, who was taking a big step up in opposition, defends his light heavyweight title. Look, a lot of people don't like uh, Dimitri Bevel's fighting style. They think he's boring. They think that he, um, he, I will, I'll say this. Okay. He's not everyone's cup of tea because he's very technical. And he does fight down to the level of, of his opposition. Uh, Jack, the caller a, a few minutes ago mentioned um, that it's okay to just get in some work. And Bevel has been out of the, the ring. He has been on a COVID layoff, right? And so he got in 12 solid rounds of work here. Didn't really take much punishment. No injuries. What's the harm? However, that's not necessarily going to build fans. Dimitri Bevel doesn't have that crossover kind of personality or that crossover kind of style that's going to get a bunch of casual fans excited. The casual fans will get excited when, when he steps up and and fights a top guy. Now the top guys are avoiding him, right? We want to see him fight. I'd love to see him fight Canelo Alvarez. I'd love to see him fight um, Baturbiev. I'd love to see him fight uh, any of the guys at 168 and Beevil says he can make 168, but he's not going to give up his title and move down to 168 without a fight signed because the only leverage he has is that title, right? That's the only thing he has for any leverage. Dimitri Beevil without a world title, forget about it. He's not going to get any big fights. So uh, he's in a tough place. He's in a really, really tough place. However, if Baturbiev and Joe Smith fight later this year, I I can see Baturbiev winning that fight. I would favor Baturbiev slightly. Joe Smith can pull off the upset. Either way, if Bevel can get the winner in the ring to do a complete unification at 175, that's a huge fight, man. And I do think that casual fans would be uh, into that fight. And that would be a big one for Bevel. And I, I think he is one of those guys that fights down or up to the level of his opposition. I think he has certainly more levels than he's shown us recently. He just hasn't been in there with guys that are going to Pull that out of him. Also on this card, Katie Taylor defends her undisputed lightweight crown with the unanimous decision win over Natasha Jonas. So Katie Taylor, if you don't have her, and by the way, there are a couple of people on Twitter saying that this was a robbery, that this was a, a, a draw. Katie Taylor clearly won this fight. Jonas did better than some people expected. She fought very, very well. Jonas is a good fighter, but Taylor won the damn fight. I thought fair and square. Maybe I can't remember what the scorecards were, if they were too wide or not, but she won this fight, guys. But if you don't have Katie Taylor rated number one pound for pound in, in women's boxing, your pound for pound list sucks. 
Bottom line is Katie Taylor has wins over Jessica McCaskill, who is the undisputed welterweight champion and a top five pound for pound female fighter herself. Eva Wallstrom was a good win. Daphine Persoon, good win. And now Natasha Jonas, who she beat in the amateurs, of course. I think she beat her in the Olympics and now is a pro. If you don't have her rated number one pound for pound in women's boxing, then your pound for pound list is wrong. And I know a lot of you guys out there will say, well, what about Clarissa Shields? She's got the hardware. Yes, she's got all these titles in three different weight classes. There is more talent in the one division Katie Taylor fights in than all three divisions Clarissa Shields has fought in combined. Okay, so titles are great, but titles can be meaningless. I think it's three quarters of the titles Clarissa Shields has won were vacant. More than half of them were created for her. In other words, they did not exist before she fought for them. All right. To put things in perspective, Katie Taylor is the best female fighter on earth right now. Also on this card, upset special, Giovanni Strafan scores a TKO one win over James Tennyson. Chris Eubank in Campbell Hatton got W's on the undercard. And real quick, because I see a few of you guys are on the line. If you guys call in, man, just hang on. I see a few of you guys dropping. Just hang on, hold, and, and I'll get there, all right? PBC on Fox pay-per-view, TGB Promotions, Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. By the way, this pay-per-view was, what, 50 bucks? 50 bucks. So um, I think that oh, – hold on, I got I to gotta stop real quick. Sosa OC says, stop hating on Clarissa. How the hell am I hating on Clarissa? I have her rated number two pound for pound in women's boxing. That's not me hating. That's me spitting facts. A few of you get facts mixed up with hate. I ain't hating on nobody. Clarissa Shields is a damn good fighter and she's improved a lot, but she has not done. She has not accomplished. She has not beat the level of opposition that Katie Taylor has amateur or pro. And it's not Clarissa's fault because the divisions that she fights in are just not, there's no talent there. And the one fighter, the one fighter that there might be a possible real super fight, quote unquote, if you will, with is Savannah Marshall. And Clarissa Shields just disses that girl all the time. Instead of building her up and building up a fight with her and building up and promoting something for the next year or so, like Triple G and Canelo did, like um, like Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder did, and now Fury and AJ are doing. Like, instead of doing that, she just disses her. So, like, like that's on Clarissa, dude. That ain't on me. I'm just telling you the damn truth. If that hurts your feelings, sorry. But, you know, maybe your mama should have hugged you more. All right, so back to PBC on Fox pay-per-view. Uh, Andy Ruiz, 256 pounds. A lot was made about his weight, his lowest since 2018. But um, not the lowest of his career by any stretch. Anyway, wins unanimous decision over Chris Ariola. Scores were 118-109 twice in 117 110. Ruiz was knocked down in the second round. Chris Ariola had issues with the scorecards after the fight. He said, look, man, um, how the hell could you only give me one round? Because two of the judges gave him one round and one judge gave him two rounds. I, I thought Chris might have won maybe three rounds. But so I thought these scorecards were just a bit wide. But this was a clear victory for Andy Ruiz. Clear. He won at least Nine rounds of this fight, in my opinion. And yes, he was dropped, but he clearly won the fight. Um, question, where do you guys rate Andy Ruiz now in the heavyweight division? He's top 10. Definitely top 10. But is he top five? I don't know about that. I really honestly don't know about that. Um, 
clearly it's Fury, and then it's Joshua, and then it's Wilder. And then I think after that, Dillian White, um, Joseph Parker. That, that's your top five. Clear, clear as day. After that, it gets really, really muddy. Luis Ortiz, Andy Ruiz, a few other guys hanging in right around there at the bottom of the top 10. It's kind of interchangeable. But a lot of people out there talk about Andy Ruiz like he's this elite-level heavyweight. Like he's up there on the same stratosphere as Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. And I'm sorry, guys, he's just not. And I'm not saying that to diss the dude. He's a quality – he's a – okay, let me talk about the, the good attributes Andy Ruiz has. He's a natural fighter. He's been sparring in gyms with with pro fighters since he was a teenager. And he has a natural fluidity about him. He's relaxed in the ring. He he um for a guy as big as he is, right? He doesn't huff and puff a lot. And there are a lot of guys that are ripped and they're jacked. They get to their corner, uh, uh, they're huffing and puffing, right? Because they're they're tense. Andy's very relaxed. He's very fluid in the ring. He's very natural in there. That's his best asset. And against these big, uh, more fundamental, quote-unquote, fighters like an Anthony Joshua, guys like that, uh, Andy does have – he does pose problems for those guys because everything they do is very textbook, right? Straight jab, straight jab, straight right hand. One, two, three. One, two, uppercut, hook, right? Everything's basic. Everything's very textbook. And Andy throws punches from out of nowhere. Right, the punches come from crazy angles. They're fluid. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't set them up. He just throws. That's what he does well. Okay, but let's let's have some real talk in Andy Ruiz. He's a cruiserweight. I, okay, I'll give you a bridger weight. All right, I, I'll go WBC Mauricio Suleiman here. He's a bridger weight. Bridger weight. So he's bridger weight's two hundred and twenty pounds. Cruiserweight's two hundred. That's where Andy really naturally is, right? He's just, he's kind of puffy. So he walks around and fights at 250. 250-something is good shape, quote-unquote, for Andy. But the reality is, this guy's a bridger weight. That's the truth, okay? So he's punching up at guys that are naturally bigger and stronger and more athletic than him. He makes up for it with his natural fluidity and everything else. Yes, especially against this division, which I feel is pretty overrated by a lot of people out there compared to the previous generation that everybody shit on and says was the worst ever. I actually think the previous generation was better than this one. The difference with this generation is, well, there's a couple differences. One, these fighters are uh, more athletic and, and more fun to watch because of their style. They get in there and bang. They have a more offensive, aggressive mentality. The previous generation was very Eastern European influence. So it was very fundamental right? Chess, jab, jab, right, jab, jab, right, hold, separate, no infighting, no inside fighting, you know, everything on the outside. This generation, you see some inside fighting, you see a little bit of brawling and banging. So it's it's more fun to watch. And also the, the, the biggest difference, the previous generation, the champion was Vladimir Klitschko. The second best fighter of that era was Vitaly Klitschko. They were never going to fight. The post-Vladimir Klitschko era, the best heavyweight so far that we know of is Tyson Fury. The second best heavyweight is Anthony Joshua. They can fight. They can absolutely fight. So that's the biggest difference. You can get that consolidation at the top. And that's why I think a lot of people um, have – a lot of people like this generation of heavyweights better. I understand that. At the same time, it doesn't necessarily make them 
better. All right. Uh, Trenton Peril, thank you so much for the super chat. He says Usyk is a top five. I can't give Usyk top five right now because he hasn't proven it. Now, eye test and uh, potential and those sorts of things, sure. But Andy, or I'm sorry, Andy, uh, Alexander hasn't beat a top heavyweight yet to rate top five. So I can't put him there. You know what I'm saying? I can stick him in the top 10 because of what he did at uh, at Cruiserweight and for the Chisora win, which I think will age well for him. All right, Chisora just had a very close fight with uh, Joseph Parker, who has a close win over Andy Ruiz, who had a, you know, who beat Anthony Joshua. And on and on, I can keep going here with this this round robin, right? But these triangle theories don't always add up, guys. Uh, Usyk's just got to prove it, dog. He's got to prove it. All right. Um, also, I want to uh, shout out to Henry Ramirez, who I, I tweeted um, that Andy Ruiz carried Chris Ariola, and, and Henry kind of chewed me out on Twitter. Henry, if you're watching, I love you, bro. Nothing but respect for you and Chris Ariola. I've covered a bunch of his fights. I've been to a bunch of his fights. He's an awesome guy. You're an awesome guy. I shouldn't use the word carried, all right? Uh, but real peep real, game peep game, right? Real recognize real. Chris has passed his best days. And if Andy Ruiz is this elite level, top three or four heavyweight, now there's people out there saying, there's people out there that rate him number three, right after Fury and AJ. If he's that dude, he should be stopping this version of Chris Ariola. All right, that's just me keeping it real, Henry. And he didn't. And, and Chris was able to drop him and fight really hard and, and fight well against him. And some people are saying, oh, it was the weight drop. Oh, it was the, he's been out of the ring for over a year. This isn't the first time Andy's been out of the ring for over a year, mind you. And uh, all of that. This isn't the first time he's had a significant weight drop either. I just think it's because Andy isn't the guy some people think he is. And I wasn't trying to diss you, Henry, or your fighter. I, was, I wasn't trying to diss Andy. I was just trying to put, put, some, um, put some real talk out there. So I should have chose my words better. Obviously, Andy didn't carry Chris. Chris fought his ass off and got to the final bell, and it was a great performance by him. Should have used, should have used better words. All right. Um, also on this card, Sebastian Fondora. I, they, they, they call him what the towering inferno or something. I don't give a shit. I call Sebastian Fondura the freak. So Sebastian, the freak Fondura KO four win over Jorge Cota, Cota, who has been stopped by Jamel Charlo, Erickson Lubin, Marco Antonio Rubio. And he was stopped standing in this fight. So uh, for Fondura to do what some of those other guys did uh, as young as he is, that's impressive. This dude's a problem at 54. He's going to settle one day at 68 where we'll we'll find out more what he's made of. But at 54, you're not going to be able to hurt this guy. He's a, he's a problem. Irislandi Lara, KO1 win over Thomas Cornflake Lamana. Who was, I think it was Martin. Oh, I can't remember who the hell it was on Twitter that said, uh, called Irislandi Lara a serial killer haha, for knocking out Thomas Cornflake Lamana, uh, KO1. This was ridiculous. Why was this fight sanctioned? Um, it, it, I've seen people saying Lamana took a dive. Stop with that shit. I can't stand the take a dive crowd. Stop with that. He didn't take a dive. He just shouldn't have been in this damn fight. This fight shouldn't have been sanctioned. And somehow, the, this fight was at middleweight, mind you. This was Irislandi Lara's first fight at middleweight. Very accomplished at 154, especially a few years back. But at 160, first fight. 
And there's already two champions by the WBA at 160. So why not add a third? So they made this for the third title there. I think and then I think if you count the gold champion, there's four. Uh, but what the hell was Thomas Lamana doing in a title fight? And what the hell is Iris Landi Lara in his first fight at 160 doing in a title fight? The WBA is disgusting, bro. So good win for him. And, you know, I'm glad Lara's at 160. He adds some depth to that division because it's kind of weak right now. Abel Ramos out of Arizona scores a six-round stoppage win over Omar Figueroa Jr. Uh, this was a, a welterweight fight. Omar's corner throws in the towel after the sixth round. Uh, Ramos came up the hard way. I got a lot of respect for Abel Ramos. He fought, check this out, guys, at 140. He fought Maurice Hooker, Regis Progre, Ivan Branchek. He lost those fights, but he fought them and he learned from them. Moved up to 47, fought Jamal James, fought Brian Bryant Perella, that last second come from behind win. Perella was winning that fight. The very last second, Ramos pulls it out. He fought Dennis Ugas, right? Lost to him in his last fight. And then uh, fights Figueroa here. So this dude has fought a lot of good fighters. Really, really been brought up the hard way. He's a problem because of all that experience. Uh, on the right night, he, he's a problem for anyone in that division. I'm telling you, when you go up against the gauntlet of opponents like that, you can't help but be a problem. And uh, he's going to be riding high after this win. All right, so let's jump to the chat, or I'm sorry, to the phones real quick. So if any of you guys want to get on the phones, call in, and then we'll go to the fight preview, all right? But for now, let's go to 513. 513, you're on the show. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Oh, okay, good. Uh, I, I, I'm a little bit newer to the sport. I've been kind of – I got into it after that Mike Tyson uh, thriller card. And uh, I, I just wanted to know, I ended up watching uh, Ryan Garcia's last fight. And with the whole situation, I was working uh, overnight when uh, it went down. I missed your show live. I would have called in then. But uh, is that a fight with Javier Fortuna? You think that'll ever happen? I think it can happen. Yeah, they, they haven't ruled it out. Um, he's look, it's not the best look for Ryan Garcia right now, because I've seen uh, several photos and Instagram posts by his girlfriend. He's hanging out at the beach with his girlfriend right now. And I'm hearing reports that he's kind of at the beach partying right now. And he's supposed to be taking a mental health break and working on his mental health with a doctor and stuff. Uh, hopefully he gets to that. But for now, the Javier Fortuna fight, it's not canceled. It's just off for right now. So they can revisit that if and when Ryan wants to get back into the ring. I do think it's possible. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm watching. He, he was he was kind of really exciting in his uh, first fight against uh, Luke Campbell. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really fun to watch. I mean, he's got a heck of a punch behind him. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 an exciting fighter, man. He's he's definitely got some snap and some power. Uh, I think he has defensive liabilities. He leaves his chin up. He doesn't move his head a whole lot. So at some point he's going to have to work on that stuff, but um, I, as far as his offense, dude, he he's pretty much got every punch. <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I appreciate. I, I'll hop off here. I, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I, I've only recently kind of gotten into sport. And, well, dude, welcome. Uh, We're glad to have podcast. you. <laughs> what's what's your name, bro? Uh, uh, Andrew. Andrew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right man yeah so i 
I've been I've been enjoying it, checking out a lot of the cards and uh, some of the stuff. I got myself a zone subscription now. Cool. So I can tune into those. Uh, I, I didn't buy the pay per view with Chris Ariola and Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz so well, good, cool. there's a good fight this weekend, man. Um, Canelo Saunders. If you got the zone, Canelo Saunders, and they're going to have a, a big crowd there in Dallas. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's probably going to be the, if you just got uh-huh. into the sport. That's going to be the first time you're seeing a real boxing crowd, and you're going to see what the atmosphere is all about, bro. So enjoy it. Oh, uh, I, I, I've seen the advertisements for it. They got they got promotions for that fight everywhere now, like on ESPN. So I'm looking forward to it. I plan on watching it. Awesome. Um, I might I might have to watch it after it comes on live because I have to work because I work rotating shifts. So oh, I'm shit. on like three to eleven next week. So that sucks. It's like I, I, if it's slow at work on Saturday, I'll be able to catch it. But if it's not, then I'll have to. <laughs> I, I work a blue collar job. I'm up gotcha. on train, so nobody's watching what I'm doing up there. But if I got stuff to do, I got to do it. <laughs> I hear you, brother. Hey, if you're on the crane, take care of All business. Right. Watch the fight later, man. You need to concentrate when you're up there. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't watch a fight. <laughs> operate the crane, but yeah. sometimes it gets real slow. Some, some of the, some of the doors that are moving coils between the steel coils we make that we, we're able to like. Sometimes there's nothing going on, so you get to sit up there and kind of chill. <laughs> yeah, I work. I used to work concrete. Really busy. I used to work concrete, so oh, really? I know that life, man, where you're sitting, you're just sitting waiting sometimes, you know? That's what then uh, you can pull out that phone and watch some stuff, so. I, I, I hate to say it, but that's why uh, Joe Smith Jr., the second I heard he was a union worker, I'm like, that man's my favorite fighter. He's mine. He's one of us. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. I get it. I get it. I'm a union man. <laughs> You know, he's, he might not be the most skilled, but <laughs> he, he punches like a mule. So. Hell yeah, bro. I, I appreciate you taking my call. I'll let you get on with it. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. All right. Bye. Let's uh, jump to a few more calls here, guys. We got we got a bunch of calls, so we're going to have to keep them a little shorter today, guys. Uh, 847, you're on the show. Hello, Mike. Yeah. Hey, Mike, this is uh, Rich from Illinois. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? It's, it's a pleasure to finally speak to you, the uh, Bridger, Bridgerway champion of the world, Michael <laughs> Montero. <laughs> Appreciate that, bro. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I just want to touch up on a few things with you. Um, on the Kistora Parker fights, I uh, just want to let you know I totally agree with you with the scoring. Um, I also had the uh, score seven rounds to five in favor of Parker, but in a really close fight, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? I, um, I, and there was, like you said, there was a couple of swing rounds, so I have no issue with the fight being a draw or if it's swung towards, uh, Parker's way. But I, I, I see, um, the word robbery just kind of being thrown out there, like, especially in social media. Um, <laughs> I think I even saw Al Bernstein kind of say that it was a robbery fight as well. I think a lot of people felt that Chisora got ripped off in the fight, but, um, I, I think in a, if, if a fighter wins in a close fight, um, I don't see it as a, as a robbery. It's kind of similar to, let me know if you agree, something similar to Chocolatito in uh, the Estrada rematch, where um, I thought it was like another close competitive fight. I think that fight had scored the draw, but a lot of people felt that um, Chocolatito was um, robbed and you know it's even heard from some of the media that they were pissed off about the decision. So yeah. 
I don't know. I think I just think that the robbery term is kind of thrown out there a little bit um, too much. Yeah, but uh, in a close fight, I think it's like, hey, a guy won a uh, close fight, in, in a, you know, but it was really competitive. I mean. Yeah, it kind of goes, it, it goes in all different directions, man, because sometimes there's a really close fight with a clear winner, you know, and then sometimes there's a close yeah. fight that really can go either way where there's a lot of swing rounds. So with yeah. this fight between Chisora and Parker, like I thought that was a close fight that really could go either way. I just thought Parker did the better work overall. I thought that Chisora gassed in, in the second half of the fight, he just chased Parker around. I didn't think Parker fought I agree. great, but he just did a little bit more. And that's why I thought he won. So for people to use the word robbery in that specific fight, I don't think it holds up. So I, I agree with you too. And I, I just think the, the best resolution just to have a rematch. I think that fight definitely, um, warrants a rematch uh, immediately, I would say. Um, and uh, just to touch base on you on the on the Bivol fight, Michi Bivol, um, was there a reason um, that he was like the third fight on the card? I just feel like he was kind of like, in my opinion, a little bit disrespected. I think he should have been at least like, my maybe not necessarily the co-feature, but the you know right before that. You know what I mean? Because they had like you know uh, Ricky Hatton's son. And uh, the Yumbake fight, you know, um, up front in the Bivolve. I think he just kind of gets uh, a little bit disrespected, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I know he's a he's a good yeah, he's a good boxer, and um, I like like you said before. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but um, I you know I I appreciate the sweet science of boxing. I do I do like his style. Um, there's times where he can be you know okay, you feel like maybe he can kind of push the gas a little bit, try to go for some knockouts, but. Um, that's where the frustration kind of comes in, I think, for Bivol. But other than that, I do enjoy his uh, his style and his fighting. And, you know, like you said, the resume speaks for itself. The guy, you know, has good wins, you know. And um, But I, I don't know if it was something to do with, like, him being televised over in Russia but or something, but I just felt like he should have been a little bit out there a bit more, like a little bit more of a main attraction. <laughs> yeah, for, I hear you. You were talking about Bivol, one of the top lightweight, light heavyweight fighters in the division, you know. Yeah, it may have been because of Russian TV. I, I don't know. Um, uh, but, you know, at this point, he's lost so much of the momentum he once had. Some of it is his fault. Some of it's not his fault. But my thing is that the, the skills are there. And all these rounds he's getting in where he's really not taking any punishment, but he's getting work in. That's all going to pay dividends if and when he finally gets that Baturbia fight because Baturbia has not been active himself. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, the, uh, the Joe Smith uh, victory that he has, I mean, he's just, it's looking like it's looking really good because of um, what Joe Smith has done after that loss. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he's just like went off good wins and um, – and even with his last fight, it was kind of a close, uh, close fight too. But he looked, he looked pretty good overall. And then the other couple wins before that, he's been looking uh, pretty phenomenal right now. So, no, I just kind of want to, I don't want to take too much time, but really quick, just kind of go on the uh, Andy Reese uh, fight really quick. Um, I, I ranked him number five in the in the in the rankings. I'll put him at number five or okay. even number six. Uh, I think I think. Um, I, I think Ariola just I, I think he put up a really good performance on on Saturday night. I think he did really well. 
Um, and I don't know if he was just kind of his last last hurrah, but I mean, he looked good. And of course, with the judges, I think they should have at least gave him an extra two or three rounds. You know, like I said, tops. I think Ariola won at least three rounds tops. I would say. So to give him one, I could see what he was getting. Uh, you know, you know, pissed off about. But I'm sure that's gonna, you know, based on his performance, it probably we'll probably see him around again. And honestly, for Andy Ruiz, I think I think we should just do the Wilder fight next. To be honest with you, I think that'll be a hell of a fight. I agree. Um, it won't happen. And I he's going to fight Luis Ortiz, but too. yeah, yeah, that's probably the next route. But I think I think go right to the Wilder fight because even though people might say now like oh Wilder well to knock out Reese, that's not necessarily true because we don't know where Wilder's state of mind is too when he gets back in the ring. Agreed. So, you know. He took such a devastating loss with uh, Tyson Fury. We don't know where, where his state of mind is going to be. Yeah. So, you know, and, and you know, we have to see how he comes back or who he fights with, and you know, because some some guys don't come back from uh, losses like that. Some do, but some don't. So, I completely well, agree. We we don't know where Wilder is. I you know that is one where if if they did Wilder Ruiz this fall. And they went pay-per-view. I wouldn't complain about that being pay-per-view. I think that would be so interesting to see. Can yeah. Ruiz continue to improve with Reynoso? Can he get his weight down even more into like, let's say the two forties and what's Wilder going to have, okay, you know, mentally. So like, that would be yeah. a really intriguing fight, man. I'd love to see it and let the winner of that fight, get the winner between AJ and, and Fury. But you know, this is boxing. So of course it won't happen. <laughs> No, I, I, I totally agree. That'd definitely be, uh, you know, paper-worthy uh, fight for sure. And um, just real quick, I just want to get your uh, feedback on the uh, Pandora and Kota fight. Did you feel the, the the stoppage a little bit premature? Yeah, it was a little premature, but the writing was on the wall. It had become a really one-sided fight, so I didn't mind it. Okay, okay. So I thought it was a little bit premature. I maybe, like I said, maybe it was a more of a timing issue because uh, I know Kota was pretty out of the strong punches and he had just landed a punch. So I don't he know if it was a timing issue. I just felt that I just felt it was a little bit premature. But I think ultimately that he was just gonna eventually stop Kota, if not within that round, within within the next round. That's for sure. Yeah, that's you know, like I I'd, I want to see. Fundora get more rounds in, more experience, but I didn't hate that yeah. stoppage. I, you know, it is it, it was okay. Okay, okay. And um, just real quick on Omar Figueroa, I always felt that uh, he was a really solid lightweight. I yeah. just feel he has no place in the welterweight division. Never felt that way. I mean, he was accustomed to you know, you know, uh, taking punches. You know, you know, from the lightweight, but at welterweight, I just it's just not a way for him. I just felt that he never belonged there to begin with. So I don't, I don't know, like he just needs to drop back down to one forty or you know what I mean. But just I don't think he has a place in welterweight. He just I think um, not seen. And I mean, he yeah, go ahead. No, I, I completely agree. I remember seeing him. I saw him at StubHub Center. It was StubHub Center back then. It might have been Home Depot Center, but. Um, I saw him fight there a few times as a lightweight. And uh, in fact, he, he met my wife, took a picture of my wife. He's a nice kid. And um, I thought, man, he's yeah. got potential, real potential, but he does not belong above 135. Part of it is he doesn't want to cut to make yeah. that weight anymore. And part of it is management is offering him paydays 
at 147. So he's kind of just become more of, uh, I don't want to say a businessman, but that's why he's doing it. He's being more comfortable with his weight and getting paid at 40, 47, but his best weight obviously was 135. I totally agree. Um, any, any, uh, any word on Taylor Ramirez? And, uh, <laughs> and Dude, you know what? Like, uh, I, thank you for bringing I, that I up. The promotion's pretty bad. <laughs> the promotion's really bad, and they really, just honestly, they completely fucked up that whole thing. And because they went to Vegas and they tried so hard to keep it in Vegas, and then they did a casino deal, they're getting a huge site fee. But because of that, I think it's a twenty-seven hundred uh, uh, fan venue. And it's at 50% capacity or something like that. So it's only 1,300 people, yeah. and the majority of those tickets are going to the casino. So it's going to be casino buy-in. Oh, wow. Maybe a few hundred tickets will be available to the public. Now, Top Rank's not going to tell you that publicly, but that's the reality of what's going on. They have completely screwed up that fight, dude. They should have put it in Texas, did a huge crowd. But, um, you know, what can I say? I mean, that's what we're only like, what, three weeks away? And the atmosphere at that uh, fight is going to be dead. And that that fight should have an amazing (laughs) atmosphere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got the, you know, it's basically for all all the marbles, unification match, um, one of the best fighters, pound for pound, and Josh Taylor and and fighting Ramirez. Ramirez is one of the best in that division, and he's proven it. So, I mean, you know, Mexico versus, you know, uh, England. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's got everything. It's got everything. I think it's going to be a phenomenal fight. So, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, it, it is a shame that it's gotten low. It's, it's, it is a shame that it's gotten, uh, you know, bad press, in my opinion. So, yeah, I agree, man. I agree. But, yo, I got to let you go, uh, Rich. got to get no, to the fight preview, it, brother. No, I, you got it, man. Hey, take it easy, man. It was nice talking to you, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot. G- great call. All right. All right. Rich has some good stuff there. All right. Let's, um, let me get over to this fight preview. And I saw, we had a bunch of other people on the line. They dropped off. They gave up. <laughs> they gave up. Uh, okay. Let's get to this fight preview guys. Um, and there's not a whole lot to talk about this week, Friday, May 7th. There's a Telemundo card from Kissimmee, Florida, and ESPN picked up a card from Russia Magomed Kurbanov is fighting Liam Smith at 154. So there's that Friday. And Saturday, there's one card, uh, one big card with really one big fight on it. Our AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, matchroom boxing on the zone. So uh, real quick about the undercard. Elwin Soto is going up against uh, former minimum weight or strawweight title holder Katsunari Takayama. And Soto was defending his WBO junior flyweight title. This is Mexico versus Japan. Soto is 24 years old. Takayama's 37 years old. But those Japanese fighters, there's something about it. When they come over here, specifically when they come to Texas, they come for war. So that's going to probably end up being a fun fight. But Soto should win that uh, just because of the age discrepancy and everything else. He's a naturally bigger guy. Also, Kishan Davis, blue chip prospect. He's going to fight on the undercard. This is his third fight since turning pro on Canelo's last fight against uh, Avni Ildurum. So I was there for his pro debut, and we see his third fight uh, in Texas. But main event, 
Saul Canelo Alvarez going up against Billy Joe Saunders. This is for the Ring Magazine WBC, WBA, WBO Super Middleweight Championship of the World. First high-level southpaw that Canelo is fighting since Erislandi Lara back in 2014. However, however, Lara has freakishly long arms, 75-inch reach. Billy Joe Sanders, as tall as he is, 71-inch reach. Canelo himself has a 70-inch reach. So the stylistic problems that Lara caused with his length and athleticism I don't think Saunders is going to cause as many problems. And I thought Canelo edged out that win against Lara and has improved tremendously since that time. So remember, that was 2014 when you fought Lara. That was seven years ago, guys. And um, what, 13 pounds or so? Less, right? So Canelo's a little more filled in. Uh, he's definitely a lot more mature as a fighter and uh, definitely in his prime. He is at the absolute peak of his powers. And it, it, again, I just want to reemphasize, as much trouble as Lara gave Canelo with his southpaw style, he was slick, he was a mover, 75-inch reach compared to Billy Joe Saunders' 71-inch reach. So there is a difference in length there. Um, Canelo's 55, 1, and 2. Billy Joe Saunders, 30, and 0. Oh. However, this is a quantum leap in opposition for Billy Joe Saunders, right? Huge leap in opposition for Canelo. He's been there, done that. Uh, he is he is not going to get caught up in the moment here. Canelo's thirty years old. Saunders is thirty-one years old. Reach again, only one inch difference. However, height-wise, they list Canelo at five eight. He's closer to five seven. Billy Joe Saunders is a legit five foot eleven, so he definitely is the taller guy. It will be punching down. A lot of people, a lot of people have been saying for years. That Billy Joe Saunders is the guy that is going to give Canelo problems. He's the guy that's going to solve the Canelo riddle, right? The Canelo puzzle. Guys, I just don't see it. John Uden in the chat says, Canelo ain't no Lemieux. I agree. (laughs) Billy Joe Saunders' best win is over a version of David Lemieux that I'm not going to call faded or shot, but certainly not as peak as he was when he fought Gennady Golovkin and was bludgeoned from pillar to post, right? Different styles, I get it. But I'm telling you guys, I'm seeing a 117-111-118-110 decision here for Canelo. That's what I'm seeing. I, I can't see Saunders getting more than three rounds. Now, if I'm proven wrong... I will gladly eat my crow next week here on the show. I will own up to it. I will live up to it. All right. Oh, super chat from CJ Duncan. Thank you, CJ. Says, had to hang up, but you know I was called about Uncle Bob. Oh, shit, CJ. I'm so sorry, man. If you get a chance, call back, brother. Because uh, I know, yeah, guys, CJ wanted to go to that Taylor Ramirez fight there in Vegas. That's where he's at. So he wanted to go check that out. And um, just look, top rank. Another fan that you're um, screwing over here with the way you handled this fight. It's just, you guys, and just admit it. You went for the money here in the casino buy. And, you know, just say 200 fans will be available to the public. Just say it instead of trying to hide that shit. Unrivaled Boxing Talk says Billy Joe shocks the world. 
Well, Mark, if you're right, then I guess, hey, I'll own it. Okay. I'm just, I'm seeing, look, you know what? I'll split the difference with you, Mark. I'll go 116, 112 Canelo. Okay. I just, I'm telling you right now, man, Saunders does have skills. He's better than Callum Smith. He's better than Rocky Fielding. He's better than the version. I don't know if he's better than the version of Kovalev that Canelo beat. I don't know. That was a pretty shot version of Kovalev, considering the, the condition he was in physically that Canelo fought. I don't know if Billy Joe Sanders is better than him. So all things considered, I do think him being a Southpaw, him being tall, and I will give Billy Joe Sanders this much credit. He is in the shape of his life. He is jacked. He is absolutely jacked for this fight. But uh, I, I think that he's going to be motivated. He's never officially lost a fight, right? He's had some close calls that some people, hey, that rider fight, uh, some people thought he lost, but he's never officially lost. So he's coming in here with a few things in his favor. But I'm telling you, I just can't see him winning more than three, four rounds in this fight. Unrivaled says, I want your scorecard, not the judges. I'm telling you, 116, 112, 117, 111. That, that's my scorecard. And if I'm wrong, Mark, I'll own it. I'm telling you, because you know, I've been wrong before, and I always own it. Um, but I just, I don't think he has it. I think that the biggest, best challenge at 168 right now is David Benavidez. And if Dimitri Bivol did move down to 168, I think he'd be the best challenge for Canelo. Obviously, at 175, Beterbiev, even Joe Smith would pose uh, challenges just because of their size and strength. But in terms of styles, okay, different styles, but in terms of styles, I think the two biggest problems for Canelo Alvarez are David Benavidez, Dimitri Bivol, those two guys. However, I have to say this. I just have to throw this in. The people that have been talking about Billy Joe Saunders for years based off his one win over David Lemieux and conveniently overlooked the fact that he found a way out of that fight with Demetrius Andre because there was the nose spray, performance-dancing drugs thing. Uh, are you guys going to disappear if Canelo wins a nine rounds to three kind of decision this weekend? Are you going to disappear or are you going to stick around and own this one? Also, if Canelo completely dominates and owns this fight. Um, I, we got to put some respect on Triple G's name. I know, I know some of you guys don't want to talk about Triple G because you think he gets too much credit. But look, no one's touched Canelo Alvarez since Floyd, since that, and that was a very green uh, Canelo, right? He was 23 years old or some shit. From that point forward, he had a close fight with Derislandi Lara. Yeah, okay. I thought he edged that fight. I thought Canelo won. I really do. I was I was there ringside. I saw Lara bothered by those body punches and and get look moving away, running a bit in those championship rounds. And I thought Canelo edged it. But from that point forward, okay, the last six years or so, no one's even been competitive with Canelo except for one guy. So if Billy Joe Saunders gets in there and Canelo dominates him. Put some respect on Triple G's name. Some of you Triple G haters will need to step up. Uh, Dave, Davidian Simmons asked, what about Caleb Plant? Brother, I think Canelo wipes the floor with Caleb Plant. I really, really do. I, I, 
Caleb Plant is pretty much a Billy Joe Saunders level. Maybe he's slightly better. Maybe he's slightly worse. I don't know. I, I, I honestly believe Canelo Alvarez decisively beats Caleb Plant. I really, really do. Carlos Cabrera with the super chat. Thank you so much, my brother. He says, uh, Canelo by body shot stoppage. Also, Chris won more in his loss than Ruiz did, in my opinion. Interesting, interesting take. I can see what you mean by that. If Canelo stops Billy Joe Saunders, here's what I don't want, okay? I don't want some of you Sunday morning on Twitter to start saying, oh, Billy Joe Saunders was shit anyway. He was he he never was good. Give give Canelo some damn respect. If he beats Billy Joe Saunders, especially Carlos, if he beats him by knockout, as much as everyone's been talking about Billy Joe Saunders, give Canelo some damn credit. Now, I don't see a stoppage. I see a distance fight. I don't even see any knockdowns. It's possible. Wouldn't shock me. It is possible. Okay. We've never seen Saunders take a really hard shot from a guy who knows how to punch hard. But I see a distance fight. Um, But, man, if if Canelo gets that stoppage, that's solid. Davidian says, Caleb Sweethands plant is a nice boxer. I agree. He's a nice boxer, but Canelo's a special boxer. You know what I'm saying? This ain't the Canelo that fought Floyd Mayweather. This ain't even the Canelo from the first Golovkin fight. That was, what, 2017? This is a different guy. And I think super middleweight is overrated. I, I think that division, I think Plant, I think um, even Benavidez, but especially Caleb Plant and Billy Joe Saunders, they're overrated. They're good fighters. I'm not saying they're trash. They're good fighters. But I think they're a little overrated. If I'm proven wrong, I'll own it. All right? John says, if Billy Joe loses this one, I'm really curious to see what fights motivate him to stick around in the sport after he gets his payday. That's a great point because he just might be another guy after the Canelo sweepstakes who kind of walks away, fades away. We shall see. All right, guys, one more call, and then we're going to we're gonna call it tonight. Let's jump over to, it looks like a UK number, 780. You're on the chat. Go. Hi, Mike. Chris Bergen. Chris, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. How you doing, brother? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, uh, I've got a few a few points I thought I'd ring up about, but the first one's the um, Canelo fight. I think uh, I think it's a I think it's a lot closer fight than than you think it is. I think uh, I do personally believe that Canelo will win, but I think it'll be a close fight. What do you think? What which fight the Canelo uh, Saunders fight? Uh, Saunders, Saunders, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, a, a lot of people think this is going to be this really close fight, okay? And if it is, again, I keep saying it. I'm going to repeat myself. I'll own it, and and I will forgive the Billy Joe Saunders fans. I just see an eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three kind of win for Canelo. But I'll tell you, Chris, I'd love to be proven wrong. I really, really would. That would be great yeah. if we had a really close fight. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was pretty close. I think uh, it depends which Billy Billy Joe Thomas we see because the guy can be, you know, he's a bit of a crazy guy to be honest. <laughs> We've seen some of the some of the shit he's posted on on you know on, on Facebook and stuff like that, and it's insane. But <laughs> hopefully, um, 
I think it'd be a good fight. I think it'd be a 12-round fight. I, I definitely don't see a stoppage. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I think it's definitely going the distance, right? I, I just don't see a stoppage. But I, I, what, what do you think about all this uh, talk? In the, have, you, have you seen all the talk in the build-up on, like, IFL TV and stuff about um, the Saunders camper unhappy with uh, Eddie Hearn and stuff? They think that he's been uh, favoring uh, Canelo. I think that's all just promoting the fight because I think it's a pay-per-view over there, correct? Yeah. Yeah, no, so I no, think it's, it's on, just... It's on the zone. It's on the zone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the zone's over UK, there now. Yeah, yeah the UK the zone, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, then I don't know. I mean, it could be mind games. It could be... Because, look, I mean, Billy Joe, um, he rolls with Tyson Fury, the king of mind games, right? So maybe it's yeah, some mind exactly, games. Yeah. Who knows? I yeah, think he's going to be yeah. there in the ring Saturday because he wants that payday. That's going to be a hell of a payday. Yeah, exactly. He's getting paid millions of dollars. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, so you spoke about the uh, Sonny Edwards fight earlier as well. Uh, I wanted to speak about that. I thought, um, you know, it, in the UK, it was his brother uh, Charlie Edwards that everyone was talking about. You know, Charlie Edwards was the one that everyone was saying was going to be this guy. And, you know, I think Sonny is now overtaking him as, as a, you know, as a, you know, he's, he's won this world title. I know Charlie won the world title as well, but then he, he dropped it, didn't he, after that fight with um, Martinez. Yeah. But yeah. Sonny looks more, more, of a, more of a good fighter now, I think. Sonny boxed beautifully last weekend. I mean, just beautiful boxing. And he beat the best guy, the most proven guy, the guy. in the division. So it was a fantastic win. And I want to see uh, his confidence has to be sky high right now. I want to see if he can continue this. The only thing, he doesn't have a whole lot of power that might cost him against yeah. some of the Mexican fighters. But, um, yeah. man, he's a beautiful Literally. boxer. Yeah, well, these Mexican fighters keep coming over to the UK and winning. So, yeah, I mean, that that is a good that is a good win for Sonny that because you know we we're seeing a lot of these upsets at the minute with uh, you know, um, you know, we've seen a few upsets lately with the Me- with the Mexican fighters. I'm trying to think. Uh, Warrington got beat. That was a big one. Um, yeah, and uh, Tennyson as well the other night yep. got sparked out in the first round. So that was a shock. That was crazy. That Tennyson fight. Yeah. I checked that out. And, um, you know, he, he just kind of stood in front of the guy and just didn't respect his power. And with a lot of these Mexican fighters, you don't know what you're getting. You really don't know. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of these guys go pro and they're 14, 15 and they take a few losses early on. And you just don't know, like, is this guy better than his record or not? Because the, the, the record keeping there isn't the best. (laughs) I've heard all kinds of stories about some of the stuff that goes on down there. So um, you you cannot slug it out with a Mexican dude like that. You just can't do it. No. Well, Tennyson has got previous as well. If you look back at his record, he lost to a guy that, that had a record of about two and two and fifty. He got he knocked out by a guy that was about two and fifty. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, know. <laughs> Two and fifty, Jesus. Yeah, if you look look back at you look back at James Tennyson's record. Yeah, is a guy. I think it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was two and fifty. It was maybe two and forty, but it was it was it was Sick. horrendous. 
earlier on in his career. Well, he's certainly improved since then, but so yeah. he's been <laughs> stopped he'd, before. He'd win, but... He's been stopped yeah. four times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whoa, yeah. You, you know what? I'm, I'm looking up the record right now, Chris. Now, it was at 130, but this guy, his record was 2-64. and 64. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. I knew, I knew it was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, but you don't hear about that, do you? No. <laughs> wow. I think we tried to brush that under the carpet, like the uh, like Deontay Wilder when he got dropped by the guy. What was the Harold guy called? Harold Scogners. He got dropped by. Harold Scogners. Yeah, they yep. brushed that under the carpet, didn't they? Oh, they, they delete. <laughs> Every video of that that's on YouTube, they immediately hit it for copyright. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could find some guy somewhere who'd sell that video on his phone oh, yeah. for some money. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, oh well, the last thing I wanted to talk about was I know it's a while back, but um, it was the um, the Joe Joyce fight with the Dubois. So what I wanted to ask you was, do you think Dubois is now overrated or was it just one of those styles makes fights kind of things where he just met the wrong guy at the wrong time? I think he was maybe a little bit of both. Um, it was maybe too little or too much too soon for Dubois. And some things yeah. got exposed for him in that fight. I think people underrate Joyce because he's so slow, but he's, he's there's a fluidity about him he's very slow but very loose and fluid and relaxed and he's just kind of a natural puncher and um yeah. with dubois he just he couldn't get away from some of those shots he took way too much punishment he kind of just stood in front of him and didn't didn't respect him enough and i do think he'll learn no, from it and be better i hope so yeah, you know, you, you know, the, the guy looks like a great prospect. I mean, like you said, you were all on the Daniel Dubois hype train, didn't you? So absolutely. Yeah, and I'm on the I'm on the hype train as well. But like you say, Joyce, he's got he's got a lot of power, he's got a lot of power, and um, and he's a big man. You know, like you say, he just he just looks like you say he looks slow, so you think, oh no, he's not. Well, yeah, you know who he kept hitting and hitting him. He kind of reminds me of Vitaly Klitschko, and I people will get mad at me for saying that. But if you look at the way he's <laughs> built, he's kind of built like Vitaly, where he's got these long. They look like long, gangly arms because he's so tall. But if you get close to him, his arms are fucking tree trunks. He's a big guy, and he he arm yeah. punches, but he does it with such velocity. And he's punching down, um, and there's a fluidity, like I said, to it that he he's a problem. Uh, people underrate him, but I definitely think Dubois is still someone to keep an eye on. I'm still I still got an eye on him. He's got a ton of potential. Well, we'll we'll see him fighting for the seventeenth uh, uh, WBA World Title. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, how? Yeah. How do you explain this <laughs> to people? Dandino. Oh God, it's <laughs> so bad, man! <laughs> it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrific. There's no way you can explain it to anyone. It's just horrific. And uh, I mean, you've got a, a super champion, a world champion, 
this is for the interim champion. You've got a gold champion. Yep. <laughs> How many champions did he won? It's insane, man. <laughs> and, uh, man. It's quite laughable, really. Gilberto Mendoza hates me because I make videos about him. I was actually, I covered a fight once at the forum in Inglewood and me and Steve Kim and my wife, Tiffany, we were walking to the forum club. That's like a little bar there after the fights. And Gilberto walked by and started talking to me. And, uh, and I'm like, you know who I am? He goes, yes, I know who you are. I saw your video talking about us. And I had made a video on YouTube years ago that he watched it. And he said he forwarded it to several of his staff. And he said, you know, we took a lot of what you said to heart. And he sounded very sincere. And he even invited me to the um, to their convention that year. And I, I didn't go because I, I just didn't want to go. But um, he never talked to me again after that. Like, you know, we kind of started a dialogue and it disappeared because he didn't – he's – they've gotten worse in the last few years, you oh, know, like, he hasn't held, yeah, he hasn't kept any of his promises. So it's just hard to take that organization seriously, man. Yeah. It's all about money for them. I think, you know, the sanction fees, yeah. they'd want as many sanctioning fees as they can get. And that's, that's about it. Yeah, I think that's all, that's all I can take from it. Yeah, that's all it is. And it's a way to stay in business with everybody. So if the WBA has one champion with PBC, one with Matchroom, one with Golden Boy, one who fights on the zone, one who fights on Fox, then the WBC is is involved in every damn fight card. You know what I'm saying? So in the WBC, the WBC and WBA both do this. And um it's yeah. smart business, but oh, it's annoying. <clears throat> it makes money for them, but it annoys the rest of us, the real the real fans like yeah. us, like really pisses us off. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure Joe Joyce would be pissed off as well that um you know Dubois got a WBA regular title shot. Well not regular interim, whatever it was. Uh, he got a shot now and he, he lost to him. <laughs> That's a really good point. I know I know he's waiting for this he's waiting for this WBO shot, isn't he, against Usyk? Um Yeah, I do think that's but, possible for later this year. And man, that's a that's an interesting fight, man, if that happens. Yeah, I favor Ruzik in that, but it is a close fight, I think. They have fought before in the, uh, was it the World Series of Boxing, was it called? Yeah, but if you think about it, Joyce, I think, has gotten a lot better since then. And Usyk has he had has, injuries. Yeah. Um, he's he's you know wearing down a little bit because he's fighting bigger guys now as a heavyweight. I'm telling you, man, that's a scary fight for Usyk. I'm telling you. I like that fight. Good yeah. fight. It's fun. Absolutely. It's a close one. Yep. And uh, like you say, like Usyk, you know, he's 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 got to be worried a bit, but you know, it is Usyk. He is a legend. You know. So yeah. absolutely. We'll see. These Ukrainians don't mess about. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> What, what about uh, Lomachenko? Have you heard anything about um, Lomachenko when he's next fighting? Yeah, he's coming back in, I think it's June. He's fighting Nakatani in Vegas. Oh, shit. Yeah, he is. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. A That's a good fight, too. Actually, That's yeah. a good fight. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I like that fight. I like that fight. I mean, coming oh, yeah. off a, a loss like that against a guy coming off the best win of his career – 
the size difference, um, yeah, that's a really good fight. Well, yeah, of course, he did go 12 rounds with... Um, Verdejo. Oh, he went 12 rounds with Lopez. And then, wow, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. But uh, since you brought up th- this fight, uh, Nakatani just beat Verdejo, which takes us full circle to the beginning of the show. And I was talking about all the craziness that you told me to stop talking about. So I'll stop right now. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it's no, crazy the uh, way it goes. Yeah, it was worth talking about. But... It goes in circles. It's just crazy, man. No, it was worth talking about. It, it just went on for about 40 minutes, that's all. Uh, yeah, I, I hear you, bro. I hear you. Speaking of which, <laughs> we've been going for almost two hours, so I, I'm going to jump on. Well, I got, I've got one more call I'm going to jump to, and then I'm going to go. So okay. I'm going to let you go, man. Good to talk to you again, Mike. Absolutely, man. Have a good night. Yeah, take care, brother. You too, man. Bye. There he goes, guys. Chris Bergen on the chat. We got one more call I'm taking, and then we're going to wrap this up. 401. 401, you're on the show. Hey, Mike, how's it going? It's uh, Andre's cousin again, Eastern. Eastern, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, you? Uh, doing good, man. Long show, long show, but um, good one. We, I mean, just a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it's a good one. Yeah, I was going to say it's a good one. People, um, I wanted to ask you more at a my opinion on Billy Joe versus Canelo, I think Canelo's taking that like nine rounds to three. I think I think Billy gets a style to the Canelo issues, but people are overrating him himself. I don't think he's as skilled as Laura was, for example. Even yeah. though he's you know bigger, he, like you said, arm length plays a factor. Southpaw, but I think Laura's the better fighter, and that's one reason he's Canelo so many issues. And I think that the stage Canelo's at right now. He just weighs too much for Billy Joe. I don't think he'll knock him out because people seem to like overrate Canelo's power. They like he's some huge power puncher. Like no, like he he's a guy who plants his feet and will throw good combinations. I think it's he's just strong is what it is. He's mostly like physically strong, yeah. which like you know can be kind of deceiving. And he punched with so much authority, he'll be he'll back Billy Joe up. But if he gets a good body shot, I think he can put him down. But I don't see a knockout. I, I'd bet money on like nine rounds to three, ten rounds to two. So I see it too, man. I think that um, Canelo's very sturdy, you know, and he he really gets maximum leverage on his punches. It's it's more like thudding kind of power than uh, one punch knockout power. He's never really had that. But uh, at 168, he is punching up, but he's going to be able to get under Billy Joe and land shots. It's going to take a few rounds, but. I mean, after like the third, yeah. fourth round, it's it's all Canelo, man. Exactly, and yeah. then then pe- I think people have been overrating Billy Joe for years. People are gonna say, "Oh, Canelo's the greatest, but he fight ever after his victory." And like, dude, no, like, no, no. I don't care what anybody says. No, and they're not gonna be the greatest by beating Canelo Smith than Billy Joe and Caleb Plant, who haven't really proven a damn thing, yep. honestly. Yeah, <laughs> so man. I think all good, that's, but that's the truth. Fighters. That's pretty lackluster fighters. It's the truth. Who are these guys beat? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but then you hear guys complain about Golovkin and who did he beat. I mean, it's like, dude, here's the difference. One guy was avoided the shit out of his prime. Another guy who's been one of the biggest draws in America since he was like 20-something years old and picks his opponents, basically. So, you know, pretty big difference. And even then, people that say, oh, Golovkin was overrated. It's like, well, well, Canelo was so great, then how was Golovkin overrated? If he honestly should have beat him twice if not once yeah but you know if he's so rated and so trash then what does that make canelo for 
getting a gift draw gets them in a, I'm not going to say gift decision, but, you know, close decision that could have gone the other way. Well, that's because you're using logic in <laughs> A lot of people don't don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. You go to boxing Twitter. There's zero logic. There's oh yeah, logic is out the window. It's a cesspool, bro. It's a cesspool. Yeah, I. How do you how do you think uh, Boo Boo versus Charles Golf they fought? In your opinion, because those straight lights, those straight lights of Charles are dangerous. But I can Boo too. He's he's a good fighter, but I just ah, there's just levels. I don't know. It's, it's the same with Boo Boo too. Southpaw, tricky style, but. Just the levels, man. The chin, I don't know. Charlo, you know, he's kind of not unproven, but he's got, like, you know, Chenko's coming off a war. Well, you think you won or lost, he's coming off a war and a year layoff. Like, I can't give him full credit for that victory. Like, do I give Danny or Golovkin credit for, you know, putting him down, you know? Man, that that would be a hell of a fight, dude. I'd be so interested in that fight because Charlo does have that, like, explosive power that Andre doesn't, but Andre does have this weird kind of awkward style. And I do think like in that last fight, people are giving boo-boo a lot of shit, but I think he fought down to the level of his opposition a little bit. He kind of played with his food and he's done that recently. I think he'd really step it up. If he got a guy like Charlo Golovkin, I really think we'd see the absolute best of him and he would have, enough difficulties uh i think he'd give charlo problems dude i think like honestly i would call that a 50 50 fight i really really would yeah me too just because the styles charles he's not gonna be able to just punch at him have him stand there like a punching bag like gary checker he's a good player don't get me wrong but he's not hard to hit at all like he he'll be right there in front of you and can hit you especially now back up and you know Dude, he got yeah, exactly. he's he a, got beat a, up against Golovkin, bro. He's never going to be the same after that. Seriously, people, people, like if, if you think he beat Golovkin, all right, fine, whatever. I don't. It was close, but I don't think he won. But either way, you can't say that that fight didn't take like, dude. If he had like eighty percent left of him at that fight, he's got like like forty twenty. I think even less. I think he's got like twenty percent left. I think if he fights the top guy next, he's getting knocked out good. Like he's yeah, he's durable, but dude, oh, he's. He got beat up in that fight with Golovkin. Even the Jacobs fight it wasn't as tech. That fight was bad. That he yeah. got dropped in the beginning, but still, he took those shots. And that was such a that was a taxing fight. I don't think he'll ever be on the level as he was that night again. No, he'll he be a gatekeeper though, like, you know, from now on. Golovkin was a little bit older in that fight too. He'll he'll yeah. be a, he's a gatekeeper I think, I think at this point. Was, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful, yeah. but he's a gatekeeper at this point. It's just what it is. Yeah, no, that's that's hundred percent true. I mean, I just I always just think like, oh, what if what if Golovkin was like thirty two right now? Like, oh my god, these this new division will be exciting again. He'd be avoided then. Be like, <laughs> weary of, yeah, dude. Like, like I always think like, oh, what if what if G fought Canelo like two years earlier? I think he would have turned him into lunch meat, in my opinion. That that's well, at least you know more clear victory than the first fight because. You're 35 and you fight a guy like that, and you, I think you beat him clear in the first fight. It's like, what do you do if he's like 32, 30, 28? I, I think he would turn into lunch meat, even though it wasn't a great fight, still. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Canelo agreed with you in his, and so did Golden Boy, and that's why they threw that title <laughs> in the trash. I mean, that kind of goes without People saying. People love to just ignore that. People love to ignore that. Of like, course oh, they like do. The mandatory fight. 
people he, he takes a wheelchair mandatory fight, but in 2016, when it was mandatory, and he knew and agreed before he had the Cotto fight, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll fight him. Yeah. And he said, oh, nope, never mind. He's going to say, oh, no, it was the first issue. Dude, you didn't want to fight him. Just You wanted to pick up the, the belt against Cotto. You didn't really want to fight him. It's all true. All true. Yep, people hate to hear the truth, though. You know how that goes. <laughs> yep, of course. Cool. Yeah. All right, thanks, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. I'll try to get on again next week. Great show, by the way. All right, bro. Have a good one. All right. Stay safe. Hit the like button, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes, everyone. Isan. All right. What a show. Well, again, with almost two hours, two hours of boxing chat. Um, some good stuff, though. We covered some tough news tonight, and um, I thought we did it the right way. I hope you guys agree. And um, we uh, had some good preview review. All right, we had, had some good boxing talk, too. So uh, thank you, everyone, for the great calls. Uh, and thank you especially to Jacob, again, with uh, New York Fights for calling in giving us the lowdown for Puerto Rico. All right, guys, we'll do it again next Monday. Enjoy the big fight this Saturday in Texas. It's going to be, what, 70,000 or something fans? Holy shit, that's going to be so fun to see. It's been so long since we've seen a fight with fans like that. I'm so excited. All right, guys, uh, we'll do it again next week. See you at the fights.